Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. COVID-19, the shutdown, and the fallout. Today on the program, we're going to talk about the damage assessment of what has happened over this past year with the COVID-19 shutdown. We're going to take a look at the great fallout of the COVID-19 pandemic and the shutdown of most of society and the impact it has had on citizens of Ohio and the church community. The COVID-19 pandemic has been termed the great reset by some. What the COVID-19 pandemic and the government-mandated shutdowns created was an acceleration of a reset that was already in motion. We are at a generational crossroads, not only in America, but in the Western world. As the World War II generation is now fading, and even the baby boom generation is aging, the deconstruction of societal standards is evident all around us and no longer can be denied. Just as with any disaster, either natural or man-made, An assessment of damage from the fallout of the event has to take place. That's what we are going to do on this program today. You are listening to News in Focus, a broadcast of the Ohio Christian Alliance. And that music you heard on the beginning was actually um, orchestrated by one of our contacts, and uh, it's called Eternity. And he um, basically composed that at the end of last year. Uh, And it's very moving, and I think it was very telling and appropriate for what we've all just been through. And actually, there's a lot of us that are still dealing with the ramifications of last year in our own lives, as our lives have been turned upside down. In the next few programs, we're going to take a look at the COVID-19 shutdown, the fallout, and what we're calling the casualty list. First today, with a group of pastors, we're going to talk about church closure, the isolation, the forgotten, and steps to recovery and actually to rescue the perishing, because there's a lot of people that are cut off right now, and we need to find out who they are, and we need to identify them and go on a rescue mission. We're also going to have a program about depression and suicide rates that have skyrocketed during this shutdown. We're going to be talking to some people in the know with uh, opiate and alcohol addiction recovery programs, and basically, as you might imagine, the numbers are off the charts. Uh, We're also going to talk about clinical depression, drug and alcohol abuse, and talk about the isolation and and the forgotten and the missing in a few programs upcoming. But today we're going to focus on the church. 
Uh, we're going to discuss where the church is and re- and how we reemerge from the COVID protocols and lockdowns. Unfortunately, churches have not recovered in attendance, and some have closed permanently. Uh, some ministers have resigned or have left the ministry. We're going to answer some of these questions today, and hopefully, with our panel, point to a few forward of uh, way forward so the church can get back on track fulfilling the mission of Christ reaching the lost and rescuing the perishing. I want to turn to our good friend Pastor Mark Abel. He is the executive director of Sky Watchers and uh, you know most recently he was pastoring the Grace Brethren Church in Ashland and now he's full-time with the Sky Watchers ministry. Uh, brother uh, good to have you on the program. Well it's always good to be with you Chris. Thank you for uh, for having me and I thank you for attack on issues like this on your program. Well, thank you. And, you know, this last year has been so challenging, and we've talked a little bit about that uh, when we were traveling down to Columbus to do the presentation of the Ten Commandments, and thank you for joining me as we presented the statewides. That was a great day. But, you know, when we look about the Church, in fact, the Southern Baptists just had their national convention, and, you know, they're they're beset with a lot of issues right now in the Southern Baptist uh, churches across the country. In fact, I'm looking at a Christian Post article. It says, why are so many, uh, why are there so many empty churches? A reminder and warning for Southern Baptists, okay? And of course, it's talking about other churches, denominational churches, but we've seen a lot of church closures this last year. We've seen ministers leave the ministry this last year. In fact, I was talking to one young pastor, and he was so discouraged because people he graduated with just a few years ago have left the ministry to secular work uh, employment, and uh, he said they're not coming back. And so this is it has been a terrible effect this last year. Your thoughts? Well, you know, COVID uh, definitely has ravished our churches, and it's sad. I think we've gotten so comfortable here in the West with, you know, being able to jump uh, church hop from church to church, and, you know, consumerism undoubtedly has played a role uh, into this as well. So, you know, I think some of those folks who have lived through some of the persecution and things that we are unaware of kind of look at us and go, you know, are you part of the church or are you not part of the church? So it's been kind of a refining, too, refined by fire. Those who aren't serious about being a part of the body of Christ, I think really, you know, were were displayed and shown uh, in this time period. And and those, you know, I think who uh, understand the, the, you know, the biblical mandate to to be a part of a of a body of Christ, um, you know, in, in some sense, we're even attacked by folks because we wanted to be with our brethren and we wanted to we wanted to uh, to have church services and those types of things. So there's un you know undoubtedly the effects have gone through the pastorate. You know, I I think a lot of guys are just tired of being danged if they do and danged if they don't, and you know they can get treated better in some sense, even in the secular world. So. It is definitely um, some unique waters that we are finding ourselves navigating through this time. You know, you can almost argue also that the COVID shutdown happened, it couldn't have come at a worse time, because there has been, with our young people, there's been kind of a cultural divide uh, between those who are the baby boomers and, uh, the you know, the uh, younger people and millennials uh, and, of course, all of that just kind of came to a head. People have been wondering where the millennials were as, as far as their thinking, their doctrine, you know, uh, their, their um, uh, what are their uh, 
principles? What are their morals? And yet what we're seeing is, in this article, it says the bigger question seems to be what led to these symptoms of, you know, the, the Church uh, decay. It says uh, basic cultural decay, downgrading of moral absolutes. There's more to it than just changing values. And so, you know, th- it actually, this is, like you said, all come to a head, and that uh, it's kind of like Gideon, and, and God is kind of winnowing out uh, the chaff of the church right now. Well, right now, your thoughts? Well, you know, um, how did we get here? We compromised on doctrine. We made, uh, and that's where I mentioned the consumerism. You know, we, you know, the church was weakened because we're into what we want. And if the, you know, as Second Timothy tells us, you know, there are those that want their ears tickled. And I think of some of the petty things that we lost people over, you know, over the last couple of years that that I was at Southview, and you just your heart breaks because it's like if if that's what we're if if that's what we are going to allow to separate relationships within the body of Christ, then you know we're going to be sitting ducks for when true persecution comes. And so, watched how we responded. We have you know we've compromised our doctrines. We have made the things that are. Um, crucial within the church. You know, it's not about how you feel. It's about what you know. You know, when the rubber meets the road and things get difficult, it's it's about what you know. And do you truly know Christ? Do you truly walk with Him on a daily basis? Do you truly trust in Him in good times and bad times? Do you give the uh, the authority of the Word? Can you define what even the Bible is and what it means? Um, you know, are you willing to submit, uh, you know, uh, to its teachings? And even when you don't agree with them, uh, you know, from the human standpoint, you know, those are the questions that we've just, you know, we've compromised on. We we teach topics, we don't teach text of Scripture, and um, when this COVID happened, I, I think exactly what you um, what you said is true. Uh, you know, people didn't didn't have the knowledge of the Word of God to fall back on, and so they fell out. Well, that's exactly what happened, and, you know, Pastor Mark uh, so appreciate his comments, and we with us on the phone also is Pastor Rodney Lord from Marietta, Ohio, and also Pastor John Coates from Columbus. We're going to be talking about a variety of uh, uh, church denominations in this program. Right now, I want to give you the coronavirus numbers. Uh, these are the official numbers from the Ohio Department of Health as of today, and there was over 1,109,000 total cases. Uh, There was over 60,000 hospitalizations, 8,277 ICU admissions, uh, and here's the deathly number, uh, 20,213 deaths in Ohio due to COVID. And uh, right now, though, the good news is uh, uh, infections per 100,000 is down to 26 cases per 100,000, so that's good news. And all the statewide COVID restrictions have been uh, uh, lifted since the beginning of June. But we got news of a church in Akron that has been closed for over a year. And uh, we were going to play for you their recording, but I'll just tell you what it is. It's a, it's a large African-American church in, in Greater Akron, a great church, good pastor. And they've been closed for over a year. I actually talked to one of their members when I was at the hospital, and she's a nurse practitioner, and she said, that's my home church, and we were fellowshipping, and she said, yeah, we've been closed down for over a year. Well, they're allowing in-person services now, but it, the announcement says you your temperature will be taken at the door. Face masks are required. The service will be only 30 minutes in length. There will not be any choir, and there will be 
you'll be seated every other row with three feet in between. Another large African-American church in Greater Cleveland said on a broadcast channel this week that they're not going to be opening up till July 4th, and then they're only going to allow their seniors to come back and participate. They won't have uh, the normal choir, but they'll have some choruses that they'll sing that are familiar with the congregation, and so they're taking it very carefully. Uh, with me on the phone is Pastor John Coates. He actually serves on Governor DeWine's uh, COVID uh, task force to the African-American community. Pastor, uh, what's going on here? Well, I, I think that people are, are genuinely afraid. There, it's, there's a fear factor that, that, that has to be factored into all of this. People um, watched uh, daily press conferences from state governors throughout the country. They watched uh, daily White House press conferences. They watched daily CDC press conferences, uh, World Health press conferences, and, and, and they received information in a ticker tape on their televisions in which they watch more TV hours than, than in any other time period because they were at home. And people are very frightened to gather together again, even post mask uh, mandates or what have you, they are still <clears throat> frightened to um, gather together. So they're, so what pastors, a lot of pastors are operating out of an, I, I call it an overabundance of, um, of caution. Again, they're only responding to the sentiments within the congregation, from what I can understand, is that, uh, again, in the African-American community, there seems to be a reticence to get back to, uh, you know, congregating and, and doing things norm, uh, because, you know, once they finally realized, and the numbers were terrible, I mean, in your own uh, denomination, uh, Church of God in Christ, uh, there was a lot of leadership that were actually died of the, of the COVID-19. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, Char Charisma Magazine reported it as being um, um, over 30 of our bishops died from COVID. Now, I personally know that that number is not is not correct. Everyone did not die from COVID, but but we had, did have a great many um, of our church leaders um, um, pass away as a result of having been um, infected by the COVID nineteen virus. Um, and a lot of our churches have um, have not met. A, a lot of our churches, of course, as, as, as other churches, um, sought to find um, alternative means of, of, of worship. Um, many went out outdoors during the months that they could worship outside. Um, uh, many went through um, the recommended um, precautions um, and to meet in person. As it relates to the social distancing, taking temperatures, et cetera, um, uh, many churches like my own, we um, we ask our seniors to to stay home, and we um, equip them um, with with a lot of digital technology and train them so that they could um, more easily operate the um, in, in many cases, which were new, brand new technology to them. And of course, there was you know a lot of. Um uh, folks didn't know what to believe because there was so much information and uh, counter information, uh, you know, about uh, how the disease spread and and, uh, and so when you were tasked with this with the governor's office at first, it was to communicate information to the community. Tell us a little bit about that because at first, I think I remember us having a conversation. You're saying uh, the African American community basically was not. Um, uh, you know, they thought that this wasn't going to affect them as much, 
and it conversely, uh, actually higher numbers of infection and and um, deaths in the in the black community. Explain that. Yes, and um, and there was also concern. Well, act um, well. First of all, it was a minority um, health strike force, and strike versus task mean task force versus strike force. It, and this was a strike force. And its intention was to immediately address uh, minority communities. Now, in the African-American community, the great concern was the number of comorbidities within certain zip codes in our state. Now, what a comorbidity is, is if you have more than one life-altering disease. So you have people that have heart disease, but yet they have high blood pressure stacked on top of that. Yet they have type 1 or type 2 diabetes on top of that. And then someone may have kidney disease disease on top of that. So you have multiple diseases, which makes the immune system and the body weaker and those individuals more susceptible to contracting um, the COVID COVID virus. So the the mission of the strike force was to get information and to get um, PPE um, out to as many people as possible. And they had individuals like myself on to make sure that they kind of um, would get areas that regular government bureaucrats would have would have missed, but there were those that was on the minority health strike force that that I guess did not want to see that happen, and they wanted to address every social determinants of of, of what African Americans have been dying from over the last eighty years. And that was not the purpose of the strike force. The strike force was to respond immediately to COVID-19 impact on, um, on, on those that suffered from comorbidities. Well, and as we went through the shutdown period, obviously uh, sporting events shut down, public venues, libraries, restaurants, schools, churches, uh, entertainment venues, all of this really upturned our life. Uh, Pastor uh, Rodney Lord, uh, you know, when you think about all this, we've never seen anything like this in our lifetime. Thankfully, we're coming out of it. You can see uh, people getting back to norm, uh, you know, and enjoying the freedom, as it were. But things aren't quite right at, at the same time. You can sense an uneasiness. Uh, you know, when we think about lots of people went through bouts of depression. They may not have had addiction problems, but uh, some people may have gone through depression and not really actually realized it, where they no longer, you know, well, what's that? Well, when you no longer enjoy the simple things that you used to enjoy is one sign of depression. Uh, what are the kind of things that you faced in your congregation? Well, first, I want to say thank you for tackling this topic, but and also to Pastor Coates for being so strategically involved, informed, and working closely you know, with our governmental leaders, I believe that's the role of the church to be involved. So thank you for doing that. Um, thank you. You know, we, we are made, we, we're all made, whether we're a believer or not, for community. And when that community gets devastated by isolation, uh, fear of the unknown, the hopelessness that goes along with it, you know, that's, you know, that's something you can endure for, you know, a few weeks. But when it starts extending month after month after month, you have those that are possibly already somewhat isolated, and going to church was their main outlet of connecting with community or even family. And when you take that away, then all of a sudden you've put uh, a lot of people on an island that they were never designed to you know, survive on. 
Um, some of the negative things that we experienced here, and I think uh, is around the world and around the country, certainly in Ohio, is that all of a sudden hospitals were uh, locked down, nursing homes locked down. So if someone had a loved one that was there, they couldn't see them. And the hospitals were trying to manage the unknown, so they were keeping staff there. So we got word that you know staff was working like these many shifts back to back, and and um, obviously the family couldn't be there. So we tried to say, okay, what what can we do? <laughs> we wouldn't be called a strike force, but we started putting together these uh, baskets full of food and snacks because we were told that these hospital staff were so. Um, overwhelmed that they didn't even have time to stop and eat. And so we said, okay, let's see what we can do there. Um, I know that as a pastor, I could get into hospitals, and it was really strange because you'd walk down the halls and you'd see no other people except the nurses and the people in the rooms. Right. And so you think about the isolation that they were feeling, because if you go to the hospital, one of the bright points is at least my family and friends are coming in to check on me you know, to make sure I'm I'm okay and getting the care that I need. So that along with parents now managing kids that are home uh, from school and, you know, and since even the last month, the government's been pouring literally billions of dollars into a workforce that no longer works. And so now we have employers that are like stranded. So uh, we've seen the disruption, but I will say in Southeast Ohio, where we are, it took a while for that level of disruption to really, for us to feel it. Um, we closed down for eight weeks, like a lot of churches did. But then we decided, well, we have to make an important decision here. Are we just going to stay closed down or are we going to you know, take all the steps, the precautionary steps, and get back to being the community that we're called to be? Right. And, and then, just like you guys said, advise those with health issues to stay home or advise those that are concerned or aged and they're concerned about it until we know more to stay home. So we, we did those precautions, but we did not stay closed. So yeah, that and made a huge difference in our community. That's right. And I remember having you on the program and talking about the outdoor services and you actually had unified services with other churches uh, to celebrate uh, the Resurrection Sunday. And, you know, that's the church being the church. And, uh, you know, so that's what's so important. And yet I think a lot of people have gotten out of the practice of church. They've gotten out of, you know, the, the, the habit of getting up on Sunday morning, getting the family ready, getting to church and joining in with fellowship, and that's what we've got to get back to. Reading from, uh, because the enemy has actually had a field day with all this. There's no doubt about that. We're going to talk about that. And gentlemen, I want you to stay over with me to the next half hour, because we're going to continue this important discussion. Again, with me on the phone is Pastor John Coates from Greater Columbus, and also Pastor Rodney Lord from Marietta. And we're going to continue this. We're going to turn the corner a little bit. We're going to actually give you some steps as to how we can pray and how we can actually get re-engaged to uh, do the ministry that Christ has commanded us to do. The Bible says in Isaiah 59, 19, uh, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. And so that's what we're going to talk about, that the church is that standard, and that's what we need to fulfill the mission. So don't go away. We'll be right back. We're going to continue this important discussion.
Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe. On D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. I'm Johnette Cruz, and I'm a busy mom. Then a friend told me about TrustBlueReview.com, a new website powered by the Christian Blue Network. She uses it to find trusted Christian-owned businesses. I checked it out, read the helpful reviews, and found a great family dentist. Now I use TrustBlueReview for all my family's needs. For peace of mind, do what I did. Visit TrustBlueReview.com or download their free mobile app from your app store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue Will my kids like this dentist? Can I trust this mechanic? Who's a good choice for my upcoming remodel? I found businesses I can trust from TrustBlueReview.com. This company rebuilt our deck and renovated our bathroom. I'd highly recommend them to anyone looking to hire an honest contractor. The best dentist experience I've ever had. It's now easy to find trusted businesses in my community that have the same Christian values as my family. It all starts at TrustBlueReview.com or download their app in the App Store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue and we're back, and with us on the phone is Pastor Rodney Lord of Marietta, Ohio, also Pastor John Coates of Greater Columbus. We are talking about the COVID-19 shutdown and a damage assessment of how it's had a terrible effect on the church across the state of Ohio and what we can do to now pray for the church to re-engage and to reassemble. We need to be praying for our pastors. You know, pastors, as you were with me last week and we were presenting framed copies of the Ten Commandments to uh, statewide office holders, and I was really impressed by State Treasurer Robert Sprague as uh, we presented him, and then we, as we normally do, we pray for the elected official, and he surprised us. He said, let me pray for you pastors. And he prayed a powerful prayer and really meaningful. And one of the pastors said to me afterwards, and said, Chris, has that often happened? And I've been doing this for 20 years, and I had to think. And I can't really recall an office holder saying, let me pray for you. But I'll tell you, that is the heart of a lot of people right now. We need to pray for our pastors because they've gone through great difficulties. We heard Pastor Mark Abel talking about you know, he had to play referee in the congregation. There were some that were overly concerned about COVID and it spread and that the pastor wasn't doing enough to safeguard. And there were other people in the congregation, the other half that said, why are we doing all these things? This is just, uh, this is too much. It's too much restriction. We really should be trusting the Lord. And so it was great difficulty, great stress for pastors. Um, pastor John, tell me about in your ranks, because uh, I know that we've talked about, you said, hey, uh, we're going to need uh, clergy to step in because we've lost pastors, and there's been a there's been a great stress on the church. Your thoughts? 
Yes, it has been a great stress on 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 the church, and you're you're looking at you know they say that pe- preachers and pastors we're on call 24 hours, but during this last year, it's 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 been a very busy, a uh, very stressful, a uh, very stressful year. Not only in dealing with just um, uh, uh, keeping a drive to keep the church together, to have service, to um, to deal with the immediate needs of our congregants as well as um, things within our own families. I mean, we have people that died, um, and they may have just died from regular causes, but yet because of COVID-19, these families did not have proper closure because we could not properly or traditionally funeralize them. We had people die in hospitals and were, or just was severely ill in hospitals and couldn't hold a hand oh, of, a, yeah. of a loved one. I couldn't go to a, to a bedside and pray for someone. Yes. Um, and, and, and as well as the regular brick and mortar management of the church, you know, I was looking at some stats the um, the other day, and and over eighteen um, percent of African American churches deleted a staff position. Seventeen um, percent um, uh, of our uh, of giving to our um, national international denomination has de- decreased. Uh, yet the decreased benefits that you uh, were paying to your are, are provided for your staff members. And if you were in the middle of a capital campaign or a construction project, and in many cases it ended. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's just stopped. It stopped right there. So it, it, the stress has been tremendous. And then to add on top of all of that, racial unrest. And in some of our um, major cities, including what we've experienced here in Columbus, we watched the insurrection take place in our city. And um, and we had to deal with all of that simultaneously. But in this big cloud, there was a silver lining. And the silver lining that we prayed like we never prayed before. That's right. <laughs> we That's... prayed like we prayed before. And, and getting ready to enter... Um, and uh, back into regular as COVID, as we get on the other side of this COVID thing, we're going to have to engage in evangelism, and we're and we're looking and we're looking forward to it. Well, it's like Pastor Mark said; it's like Gideon's uh, army. You know, God is winnowing it down and and, and refining uh, this church of His. Uh, and we're finding out who the faithful are, and you know it's 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 getting real interesting here because I read an interesting book by Ron Dreyer called "Live Not by Lies," and it talks about all the cu- cultural upheaval we're dealing with right now as Christians, and um, we are beset by so many attacks all around us and the cancel culture and the values that we hold dear, holding a bi- holding a biblical worldview is under assault like never before, Pastor. Uh, Rodney, uh, your thoughts along those lines of uh, how how Christians are to move forward in all of this? I think uh, one of the challenges um, during this time, especially for leaders, not only congregants but leaders, um, was taking a strong stand for freedom and liberty, First Amendment rights, and um, basically saying, uh, you know, whose authority am I under? We certainly want to honor civil authority, and I think governor and staff and and many were trying to do the best they could to protect but at some point when churches are told uh by default you're not essential and we want you to close down or only have 10 people show up uh there comes a point when you say what is my conviction and will we stand to the courage of our conviction i like what 
you know, when Jesus asked Peter, who do you say that I am? And he said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. That's whose authority he was recognizing. And he said, well, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my father in heaven and upon this rock, I'll build my church, my ecclesia, my called out ones, and the gates of hell will not overpower it. And but the next verse he says here I am here I'm now preaching I'll give you the keys of the kingdom and whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven whatever you loose will be loosed in heaven so you know there's an authority that we walk in that was is being challenged in this moment and so I think you know we have to be wise we have to be discerning and say where are the places that uh, maybe I need to push back. And uh, we even had meetings uh, over the phone with our governor, and I remember one pastor basically just, uh, actually several pastors disagreeing with the the governor's policy and saying, Governor, our church cannot abide by that policy. And and he read the policy to everyone on that call. Right. And the governor said, well, I respectfully, you know, disagree, and I'm doing this out of safety concerns. So there was, you know, that leadership saying, we're not going to do it this way. And um, so I think the upside is, is leaders like us are saying, okay, uh, who are we? Where do we stand? And, um, you know, how do we proceed in an environment that many times is hostile, as we've seen, you know, uh, big tech companies, you know, uh, against the church and against the messaging of the church, the globalists and and such. So uh, figuring out where we're standing is important. Absolutely. Again, I'm talking with Pastor Rodney Lord from Marietta, Ohio, also Pastor John Coates from Greater Columbus. We are talking about uh, the COVID-19 shutdown and basically uh, cost assessment, damage assessment of what it's caused the Church and what we need to do going forward. And um, there's been a lot of fallout. We're going to see for some time to come exactly what that is. You know, most of us are going to find out that some of the favorite, uh, you know, restaurants that we liked are no longer open, uh, that they've closed for good. We're going to find out that uh, other businesses that are currently struggling to find employees to help them, they're not going to survive at the end of this year. There's a great uneasiness that's still out there. We as Christians truly have an opportunity to be witnesses for Christ. and But I know that, uh, dear saint, you're thinking right now and saying, well, it seems like the whole world around us is caving in. How how am I supposed to make a difference? And we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. But we're also going to talk about, I want to continue, gentlemen, because you know we saw our young people actually go through great difficulty as well. Obviously, all the things that young people need, they need interaction and the dynamics of getting together and doing activities, all that was closed down in a very unnatural way. Graduations were closed, sporting events, proms, all that was canceled, never to uh, rehappen again. I mean, our son Timothy graduated from Villanova University, and uh, they did not have an actual graduation. I mean, four years of college, and you know, you want that that wonderful celebration and that special moment. It didn't happen, and it's not going to happen. He moved on to his master's degree, um, and so those are losses through this year, and it has been a year of loss. And so many of us have actually lost people. And Pastor John, you alluded to that. 
Uh, I went to more funerals last year than I, I care to remember. Uh, dear friends and, and family members who passed away, some of it was from COVID, some of it was just due to uh, life, uh, but it seemed like uh, some of the older folks kind of gave up too, that were maybe on the edge, and of course, don't even get me started about the nursing home visitation or the hospital visitation that we weren't allowed to go in and hold the hand of a loved one to be with them, and it was the last year of my mother's life. Now, uh, we did, uh, you know, in that, my mom did die of COVID in December, and uh, her nursing home was hit very hard, and we were very engaged, and with the administration, quite honestly, uh, getting uh, National Guard help and other people there, because uh, they had over 100 uh, patients at that facility within a matter of 10 days from just a few infections, and it just spread through the entire facility, so it was terrible. Uh, mom was one of the casualties, but, you know, she was 91. She had, uh, she was diabetic. She was pre-existing conditions. Um and uh, she knew the Lord, and my daughter was with her and actually was holding her hand at the end, and, and I was able to visit with her during at the window and all that, and the doctor said, maybe not for you and your wife, you know, at your age, and, you know, uh, but you know, we made that determination because I knew I wanted to have a celebration for mom, and I knew if I was exposed to COVID, the, the relatives would not come, and so we didn't want that to happen, and we did have a wonderful celebration for her, but a lot of families, Pastor John, didn't have that opportunity. It was denied them, and and that's a hurt. That's a loss. Explain that. It, it, it is a loss. In fact, we lost, my wife and I lost a, a family member. Her brother, um, 50, 50, um, four years old, um, passed from COVID. And, you know, there, there wasn't a funeral. She had to leave immediately, take the risk of flying all the way to Texas at, at risk of flying because they had people really frightened to fly um, because of because of the spread when you're in that <laughs> that metal tube flying through the sky um, and and she rushed to Texas to to just to have a viewing of her brother oh. that was it wow that's all folks and um, and that's that was all so you know we, 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 we suffered along with our with our members I think we went through this as a community together as a nation um, together and now we're we're being told that our um, our young children are possibly at risk um, uh, uh, now because of the the, the so-called delta variant so so you know we have we still have decisions to make but um, you know, but for 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 me and my house, we're going we're going to serve the Lord, and I think that we we've joined arm in arm within our church with other uh, believers that have a dogged mentality that we're going mm-hmm. to uh, find ways to stay together. One of the biggest struggles that I think the church faced in the last year is a large congregation suffered greatly, right. and right. um and and small and small congregations struck struggled as well because of the digital divide they were we were forced to learn technologies that some some pastors some church leaders just didn't have any clue about nor did they have the finance right the finances or the equipment to make yeah the, the technology the right right they had to purchase right the, you know the computers cost money um, a webcams cost money um, um, high-powered internet cost money and it, and it made not have been in the budget, or money just may not have been there. You know, and, and and they had to make that leap. Many did not. Many did not make that leap. So with the onslaught of church closings that generally take place, 
every every year. Um, I think the numbers between 3,800 to 7,700 houses, 7, houses of worship that close, that closes each year, that number has, has had to have doubled and to tripled in the wake of, of, this, of this pandemic of COVID-19. Um, and we really don't know what the impact is because there's no real, I just closed my church reporting agency. You know, right. some denominations took polling, other denominations did not. And um, and especially the, the, among independent churches, you know, you close you close your your church. Who do you tell? So we right. we, we we don't know what the um, what the impact and um, um, has been in the wake of COVID nineteen. That's right, and it's hard to actually get those numbers. There's no state agency. There's no. Uh, uh, third-party group that's actually tracking that. I mean, the Ohio Christian Alliance, we have, we've held one of the most complete uh, church lists in the state for over a 20-year period that we've maintained, and it's difficult to do. There's churches that change their names, some that close, some that open, and we're reliant on the people in those communities to give us updates of uh, those churches, and we try to keep our our list up to date, but it's it's difficult to do. So we may never know the full impact of how many churches closed, how many pastors left the ministry. I did request Pastor uh, Rodney from the Secretary of State a list of the licensed ministers currently in Ohio. Now, it is kind of a hodgepodge. There's some people on that list that are licensed just for uh, uh, burials or marriages, Uh, so that's not a true indication of the actual licensed ministers who are actually pastoring churches. Uh, So we're going to take a look at that list more carefully, actually pray over it, but... um, you know, there was a large church in Akron uh, just announced, it was in the paper. Uh, this is a church that uh, has gone along for a couple of generations, great, great church, but they're now having inter-struggles, and uh, actually two of their senior pastors have been put on administrative leave for an indefinite period of time. So uh, like to your point, Pastor John, it's not just uh, uh, small churches, large churches as well have felt the impact. Pastor Lord, your thoughts? Yeah, I also have some pastor friends here in our region that they struggle because some of their people still want to wear masks in service, and some of them don't. And so you have that kind of even at this late on. date, even after the the face uh, after all the standards have been list, lifted. The re- well, yeah. it's probably I haven't talked to them this past week or two, but it's, so it's probably shifted now. But even up until the last several months, uh, there were people that were concerned and. Uh, Pastor Coach, you're right. The larger churches, uh, uh, churches that have multiple services and such, um, they were, you know, trying to figure out how to just have minimal amounts of people, you know, coming through their doors. And they had their uh, child care, their, you know, shut down during services. So, you know, things that were normal and typical for people were, you know, totally changed. But, you know, the thing that is encouraging me, the enemy always overplays his hand. And um, we're all sensing that we're on the verge of an awakening that's going to really shift things and transform things, both spiritually and foundationally, uh, I believe, in the culture. And I believe the church is going to come out stronger. Uh, We had a recent meeting with the governor, a number of our pastors who serve on one of his uh, councils, and we were just, some of us were sharing things that we were assigned to share. And And I just mentioned to the governor, I said, 
I think that we are supposed to be a prophetic voice. I believe all the church is to be a prophetic voice in the culture, but leaders should be prophetic voice to the other civil leaders as well. And basically, I apologize. I said for several decades, we've been an absent voice. The churches stood behind the Johnson Amendment or other things that that kept them silent. But I said, we're now becoming an awakening voice. And we're going to be those that are talking about things that are overcoming COVID, that are overcoming uh, the fears and the isolation. I appreciate the fact that you're going to be dealing with the depression and suicide and those other issues on other shows. But I believe we're going to be going from a woke to an awakening culture. And we're going to go from isolation to even greater community. I think the church is going to come out of this saying, you know, we realize how much now we need each other in, in real ways. And we're not just coming to church out of a religious obligation, but these relationships are important. And I think we're going to go from a fear uh, to speak out on issues to really a new courage. Amen. Amen. And that's that's kind of the encouragement we want to give right now on this program, is that this is a time for us to pray for an awakening in the church, and then that to, to spill over into our communities. I'm reading from Isaiah 59, verse 19. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. And the Redeemer shall come to Zion. And unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob, saith the Lord, as for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord. My spirit that is upon thee, and my words which I have put in thy mouth, shall not depart out of thy mouth, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, nor out of the mouth of thy seed's seed saith the Lord from henceforth and forever. In chapter 60, verse 1, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. Well, brethren, that's what I think, is that God wants to shine his light on his church, but it's, in, it's, in, you know, it's indicative that we, it's imperative that we repent of our sins, that we, we get rid of all the idols in our house, as Jacob had to get rid of uh, the, the clutter and the idols in his house, and he had a, a revival in his house. We need to do that, and uh, then, then our children will come to know the Lord. I mean, there's some wayward children out there right now in the streets of America, and we need to be praying that, uh, first of all, cleaning our house and then God's glory come down, then we can start reaching these laws, because they're perishing out there, Pastor John. Yes, they are. And I think that as we plan for um, the, the, the future, I know that uh, the churches that I work with, with my church, that we're going to um, be the hands of, and the feet of Jesus in our community, okay? Um, we're, we're here. We're going to be that light. We're going to focus. You know, if reopening or, or shifting gears in, in our public worship, you know, I, I, I pray we become like a new church plant. You know, we're going to we're going to concentrate on our marginal members as well. You know, in churches like the 80 20 rule applies and most churches, you know, 20 percent of the people do 80 percent of the work, which sometimes mean mm-hmm. that only 20 percent of the people get cared for. So uh, we're, we're going to make sure we focus also on that other 80, 80 percent and not just the 20, you know, and, and, and we're going to prepare for the future. We're going to make sure what is actually we're going to ask ourselves, what is actually um, needed for, or, or, or better yet, what is essential 
or kingdom growth. Mm. You know, and 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 we're going and we got hit up, we got hit in the head over COVID, and we're going to realize, and many of us was forced to realize that we need to be communicating with our people by every way necessary. Technology is here to stay, and we're going to use it for the glory of God. You know, someone says, how will you know that a revival or awakening is happening? Well, when the church is given a new song. You know, some of our worship as of late, and I've seen every church kind of has this template of this modern type, uh, you know, music, and it's it's not very deep, it's not very spiritual, and and it's indicative of the, the church's status right now. Well, what will happen when there's an awakening? There'll be a new song, and everybody will be able to sing it. You know, when you think about the great revivals of old, the, the, the song Amazing Grace, a man who was a slave trader, and uh, this man was gloriously saved and, and turned from all that, worked against slavery, and God gave him a song, Amazing Grace. When we think about the Great Awakening and Charles um, Wesley and the thousands of hymns that he wrote, many of them are still being sung today. Pastor Lord, uh, God's going to give us a new song. Your thoughts? Well, I believe that every generation has a certain sound and a song and, you know, Sometimes the older folks, uh, we tend to like things that were, you know, burning. When our fires were burning, we heard a certain sound. And, and But uh, what we're seeing is generations running together. And I think we're seeing that because the church is being revived. Um, and obviously this was a pruning process and a refining process. And, and you know, we're going to return to our first love. We're not going to be lukewarm. We're not going to be cold. We're going to be hot. And, uh, of course, last Sunday was Father's Day, and probably a lot of uh, uh, pastors mentioned this verse, but it's Malachi 4. And um, he said, the Lord said, I'm sending Elijah the prophet, that spirit of Elijah that would come to the church again, that prophetic spirit. And it says, he will restore the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their father, lest I come and smite the land with a curse. And I challenged our com- our uh, congregation, just like in the founding of our nation, it's time for fathers to take a stand. It's time for fathers to lead us out of whatever we feel like that we need to rise up and uh, overcome. And uh, we have people now going into school systems saying, we don't want uh, critical race theory being taught. Um, you know, and other issues. So um, I believe we're seeing an awakening, a spiritual awakening that is really not just going to be in the church, but it's going to, again, spill out of the church and influence and transform culture. Um, it's just it's just happening, and I'm excited about it. Amen. Well, Pastor Rodney, thank you for joining us today and such great thoughts there, and we're praying for that. We're, and, and folks, we want you to covenant with us to pray for the church and pray for God to send down his glory. Pastor John, thank you for your thoughts and your input on this program. And brother, we covered a lot of ground. And if you missed any of this program, you can hear it in its entirety at our website at ohioca.org. Brethren, I'm joining with you and coveting to pray with you as well. Thank you, Pastor John. Thank you, Pastor Rodney. Thank you so thank much, you. Chris. God bless you, my friends. Bless you. God bless you. And again, folks, it is time for us to draw close onto the Lord and to press in into his holy place, you know, and give our losses to him 
and let him fill our empty hands. This is what God wants to do. He wants to give us of his grace and his mercy. We hope that you are blessed with today's program. We're praying for you. God bless you. You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.